0: This sermon was recorded at Christ Church Overland Park, a congregation that seeks to be a people fully alive in God's kingdom.
1: The Holy Gospel of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to Mark. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? While Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing, loudly he went in and said why all the commotion and wailing the child is not dead but asleep but they laughed at him after he put them all out he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was he took her by the hand and said Tela which means little girl I say to you get up immediately the girl stood up and began to walk she was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Praise to you, Lord Christ. Good morning. In our text this morning, two people come to Jesus. Jairus, we think, We know he's a synagogue leader. We think he's from Capernaum, which was a village of about 1,500 people. This is where Jesus lived at the time, so they likely knew one another. Since the woman remains nameless in the story, we assume uh, that Jesus did not know her, but we don't know that for sure. But there are some interesting contrasts here. Jairus is a man of religious status. Likely a Pharisee, often the synagogue leaders were Pharisees, so he was likely a Pharisee and was probably well off financially. The woman is, well, a woman in the ancient world, which was pretty dicey. And because of her condition, she is also ceremonially ceremonially unclean and is now poor because she spent all of her money on doctors. And people, you know, they, they make some assumptions about what was, what was wrong with her. You know, maybe late stages of uterine or ovarian cancer. Obviously, we don't know, but uh, uh, something very serious. One healing happens publicly, the other in private. One of them touches Jesus. The other is touched by him. One is an emergency illness of a 12-year-old. The other is a 12-year sickness. But two things are present in both cases, fear and faith. And so let's look at fear and faith in these stories, and then we're going to end with a word about Jesus' timing. So fear, faith, and Jesus' timing. So let's start with perhaps our most basic human emotion, fear. And it's to be expected in these two people. The woman in the crowd had been bleeding for 12 years. And not only was she dealing with the physical consequences, but being ceremonially unclean, it meant that she, she couldn't go to worship in the temple with her community. And no one, literally, they didn't want to touch her. No one wanted to touch her because they would then also become unclean. So she's a social outcast who's been slowly wasting away physically. She's afraid. You know, this isn't the vision that she had for her life, of course. Is she now destined to just live the remainder of her life in isolation? Die alone? Those prospects would terrify anyone. Jairus' daughter is dying. She likely has an infection, which, you know, that would be serious business today, but it was especially so in the ancient world. You know, I've seen what losing a child does to parents. It's devastating. And parents, you know, the fear that you experience when your child is really sick. Gyrus's daughter is really sick. She's at the point of death. And so he's, he's overwhelmed with fear. And I'm sure that all of us can remember times that made us fearful. You know, after uh, six, over six years of trying to have children with no success and completely losing hope that it would ever happen, the Lord blessed us with our first daughter, Virginia. It was in January 26, 1999. Less than a year later, Stephanie told me that she was pregnant again. And we were both just overjoyed. And interestingly, that was in the late fall of 1999. And I was actually interviewing to come to work here. Well, on Sunday, January 23rd, of the year 2000, and we were getting very close to wrapping up the interview process. Stephanie and I came here for worship on Sunday, and um, then I stayed afterward for an interview. And by the way, that day, it was a very icy, uh, snowy day, and there were many accidents and cars and ditches. Uh, If you remember Derek Thomas, who played for the Chiefs, That was the day he was in a car wreck and was paralyzed. Well, when I got home, we had lunch and we discussed the worship service. Stephanie, at one point in the worship service, started crying. So I thought that's not a good sign. Um, Anyway, we, we talked about Christ Church and all of a sudden, Stephanie screamed and she said, we need to go to the hospital and she was bleeding. And so we got to the ER, ASAP, and it was packed with people who had been in car accidents or they had slipped and fallen on the ice. And as we waited to go back there at St. Joe, we were filled with fear. We wanted this baby to live. Now, let's talk about faith, because fear isn't the end of the the story here. It's only the beginning. You know, these are two different people, but let's look at their faith and see what is similar. First, they both believe that Jesus could do something about their situation. They believe that. You know, the writer of Hebrews tells us, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Notice, notice Jairus, he didn't have to fight through the crowd, you know, the large crowd that was around Jesus. He didn't have to do that. He was a highly respected man and so the people just made a way for him. He pleaded earnestly with Jesus, you know, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. Now, in contrast, the woman, she had to fight her way through the crowd that is pressing in on Jesus. You know, by this point, if you read Mark's gospel, Jesus has healed many people and the word has gotten out. So all of the the sick and the oppressed, uh, they want a piece of him. Even so, she, she forced her way through the crowd. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now we should note that the Greek word here is sozo, and it's used 108 times in the New Testament. In 88 of those times, it is translated save. So it is translated both save and heal, more often save. So it could just as easily read, if I just touch his clothes, I will be saved. By the way, Jairus, used the same term. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be saved and live. This, I think, is very important, as we will see. Two very different people with different problems, but their fear turned to faith in Jesus. They believed that he could bring healing, he could bring salvation, the second thing we see about their faith is that it led them to take risks. It led them to take risks. You know, Exercising faith isn't entirely comfortable. Remember, Jairus was a synagogue leader, and many of those were Pharisees who, generally speaking, uh, did not have the best relationship with Jesus. You know, it's good to note here that that wasn't true for all of them as, you know, as we see in Jairus. But no doubt, throwing himself at Jesus in public wasn't likely to help him with his relationship with his peers. For the woman, the risks were even more pronounced. Again, she was a woman and it was forbidden for a woman to publicly approach a man and to touch him. Two, she was unclean. So everyone she touched in the crowd, including Jesus, they would have perceived as being unclean. And we see that after touching Jesus, she was she she was still afraid. She didn't know if Jesus would approve, but she was really willing to risk the public shame and humiliation that was inherent in the situation. You know, as we waited and were ushered back from the waiting room into this crowded and really chaotic emergency room, I can tell you it was silently, but we were begging Jesus for this child. And I, I can't tell you that I know that I was really optimistic either. But we were, we were begging Jesus for this child. The child was a few weeks old, but we loved her. We wanted her to live. We didn't have to face any kind of public humiliation or anything of that sort. The only risk we took in begging Jesus for this child's life was the risk of being disappointed if he didn't do it right, if he didn't save her? And that's the risk that we always take when in faith we ask Jesus for something. What if he doesn't do it? How how will we deal with that? We've talked about fear and faith, and now let's end with Jesus' timing. You know, Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus's daughter, but he stops. And he has a conversation with a woman who is unnamed. Jairus, he had to be beside himself. <laughs> like, what are, what is going on? We're losing time. By the time Jesus finishes, a messenger comes. Your daughter has died. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Jesus was too late. You know, his timing was off and Jairus had to be distraught. You know, the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years She wasn't in imminent danger like that very moment of immediate death, like Jairus's daughter was. He had to be thinking. Jesus should have rushed to my house and then come back for this woman. His timing was all wrong. And of course, we don't know what Jairus was thinking, but if indeed that's what he was feeling in that moment, we'd understand because it's probably what we would be feeling, too. You know, I love Jesus's response. It says, overhearing what they said. And that word overhearing is oftentimes translated like this. Ignoring what they said. It means to purposely not hear. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. So, In his fear, Jesus' words to Jairus, it, it helped to spark in him a little bit of faith so that he at least continued on with Jesus to the house. When they get there, Jesus was ridiculed. You know, and, and that day, they would pay mourners to come to the house, to make it even more of a big event. And so these paid mourners, when Jesus says, "Hey, she's just sleeping," they, they laugh at him. Only her parents and Peter, James and John, are allowed to go with Jesus into the house. And Jesus took her by the hand and said, "Little girl, I say to you." get up. Or, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the life of God rushed into her body and she stood up. You know, they escorted us back into the emergency room and they did a sonogram. And I'm watching this screen and the doctor, points out very clearly there's the embryo and there's, that heart is not beating. Because at that point, the embryo is just like this and it's, the whole thing is just like either going like this or not. And so our hopes were dashed. Because the emergency room was so full they did not do the procedure to remove the embryo. They told us, they said, we're too full, we're too busy. Please go to your, your, your doctor tomorrow. It was a very somber 24 hours. We arrived at Dr. Sullivan's office and he had been prepped on our situation. We go into the office and he, he feels, presses on Stephanie's stomach and says, you still feel pregnant. Let's do a sonogram and see what's going on. Like Jesus's words to Jairus, that gave us just a spark of faith. And he did the sonogram and immediately we see this tiny little embryo just poof, 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 poof. that little baby was alive and that little baby is named Willa and it's a wonderful story and to be sure we are still extremely thankful and blessed but you know we have to we have to keep things real we have to keep things real and not every story ends the way of Jairus's daughter or of Willa Wildman. Jesus healed probably thousands and thousands of people. Amazing. But how many didn't he heal? Just think about the crowd. I mean, there was all these people trying to get to him and only two did. Jesus raised three people from the dead How many people in his proximity during his three-year ministry do you think died? Many, many. How many of my prayers and yours have not been answered the way that we wanted? Probably more than we can count. You know, we live in the now of the kingdom and sometimes these just dramatic, miraculous things happen. And we should believe that they can and will happen. But we also live in the not yet of the kingdom and sometimes they don't. And I don't really have a great explanation for you as to why. N.T. Wright, he explains in his commentary, he says, Jesus wasn't coming to be a one-man liberation movement. He wasn't coming to be a one-man emergency medical center. He was starting a revolution and he was bringing God's healing power, but his aim went deeper. These things were signs of the real revolution, the real healing that God was to accomplish through his death and resurrection. You know, not coincidentally, the Greek word for get up, I say to you, get up. It's the same word that Mark uses in chapter 16 When the angel speaks to the women at the tomb, don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He has gotten up. The real purpose, I believe, of Jesus' timing that day because we know Jesus, everything Jesus did was very intentional. There were no accidents. The real purpose of Jesus' timing that day was to point us to His resurrection. That is the promise of resurrection to all who put their faith in Him. You know, death comes to us all, right? We know this. Death comes to us all. But it will be as if we have just gone to sleep for a moment. And then we will feel Jesus take us by the hand and say, hey, it's time to get up. It's time to get up.